I'll tell you why I'm probably excited and happy is because I get the privilege of starting a brand new sermon series. Woo! Well, don't tell the first service, but you did that very better than they did, very much better than they did. You've obviously got more energy, you've had more caffeine by this point. And it is a new six-week sermon series entitled Empowered, A Journey of Grace. That's cool, eh? A Journey of Grace, and that's what we're going to be on over the next six weeks. Um, And really, this is part of the same thread that we started at the start of the year. You know, for those of you who remember at the start of the year, Chris proclaimed this, the year of open heaven. We really felt the Lord was saying, this is a year of blessings and of abundance and of influence. And so we taught on uh, the blessing over the first few weeks, and we looked at how we position ourselves to receive God's blessing. And uh, if you missed any of that, you can still go online and pick that up, some great teaching there. And as we looked at that, part of that was around um, the requirement or the call to holy living, to be set apart for him. And uh, we spent six weeks looking at the holiness, uh, looking at holiness, and you remember when we ended that, Chris and Fliss got on the stage with the rest of the team and we kind of dedicated ourselves to that call to holy living. And when I spoke on the last sermon on on, on, uh, holy living, what we looked at was that actually we cannot manufacture a holiness. It's not something that we can do ourselves. In fact, it's as, as we abide in Christ, his holiness becomes our holiness, and that's what we walk in. Do you remember that? It's as we abide, as we get deep down in him, as we focus on that, the fruit comes of holiness. But as we looked at that, what we discovered was that it's actually by his grace, by his grace that we can abide in Christ. And, you know, Paul said, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 9, And he was talking about this thorn in the flesh that he had. And he was saying, Lord, would you remove this? You know, would you remove this obstacle? And God said, Paul, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. What does that mean? My grace is sufficient for you. And we touched on that briefly, but really what we want to do over the next six weeks is unpack that. What does that really mean to us? And uh, I'm going to do a bit of a, a kind of foundation laying this morning, really for the next five weeks, and Dennis next week is going to talk about the obstacles of grace, Uh, Chris will be talking up here around the fruit of grace, and and Kev will as well, and so, and then we're going to end that with how we give grace away. So why don't we pray, and then I'm going to look at what this thing is called the journey of grace. Lord, I want to thank you for your word, I want to thank you, it brings life, it brings abundance, it brings freedom. Thank you, Lord, that you have got us here, not so that we can be entertained, but you've got us here because you want to change us, you want to renew us, you want to equip us, you want to empower us. And that, Lord, we're not going to leave these doors the same way we came in. Why? How do I know that to be true? Because your word says, your word does not return void, but accomplishes that which it set forth to do. So <clears throat> prepare our hearts, Lord. Prepare our hearts to receive your word. Open our ears afresh. Get rid of all the distractions that may be around us, and bless us, I pray. Amen. (coughs) Okay, the journey of grace. You know, when we talk about grace, I have to say, I think most of us, to be honest, have been fed or been sold a half-grace gospel. Or we've never really truly understood the power and the place of God's grace within us. What do I mean by that? Well, you see, we probably understand one dimension of it, one aspect of it. But the truth is, 
and I speak for myself here as well, we've yet to fully comprehend, fully understand the fullness and the magnitude and the power of God's grace within us. You see, we all know, don't we, that we are saved by his grace, right? We are saved by his grace. Isn't that just so, oh, so sweet? And we sang that earlier, we're sinners saved. about that wonderful hymn, Amazing Grace? Amazing Grace. Let's sing it, come on. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Good going, guys. That's my audition for the worship team. So. <laughs> Isn't that a beautiful song? And it's oh so true. Oh, so true, true, I love his grace. You know, Paul sums it up so beautifully in Romans chapter five, verse eight. He says this, while we were still enemies with God, he sent his only son to die for us. You want grace, that's grace. We didn't deserve it. We were enemies with God, but he looked upon us, his unmerited favor, and he sent his only son to die for us. Wow, amazing grace. But let me say this, guys, there is more. There is more to his grace. You see, if we only live our lives for being saved, then we live lives which are unfulfilled and underpowered. Let me say it this way. Grace isn't just a ticket to heaven. Grace is a passport to empowered living. Let me say that again. Grace is not just a ticket to heaven. Grace is a passport to empowered living, here and now. That's the power of his grace. You know, oftentimes, don't we, when, when someone sins, or we'll say, well, more grace. And we'll say, won't we, we'll say, well, you know, we're all sinners, true. We're all weak, that is true. God understands, that is true. And God died for you, that is true. But let me say this, if we just stop at this point, we undersell God's grace. We sell God short. In fact, we sell ourselves short. You see, while grace is extended towards us in spite of what we do, in spite of the sin, the purpose of God's grace is to enable us to move out of the sin. And so when we just stop at that point and say, it's okay, Grace is sufficient for you. We've missed it. The point of grace is in spite of what we do, it is there to empower us to move out of what we're doing and into empowered living. You see, God's grace doesn't cover up bad living, it empowers right living. God's grace doesn't cover up bad living, it empowers right living. You know, Paul in the, in the letter to Romans in chapter 6, 15 says it this way. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Certainly not. Because God's grace doesn't cover up bad living. The purpose of God's grace is to empower right living. 
How? Because the grace of God, you see, his unmerited favor towards us enables the power and the life of Jesus, his victory over sin and death, to be our victory over sin and death here and now. That is how the grace of God operates us in us. To be victorious, to live an empowered life. And for some of you, this might be in itself a wake-up call. You might not feel like that at all. You might say, well, Mark, I'm just trying to get through the day. Thank you very much. Trying to just get through the day. But let me tell you this, friend. You, yes, you, are called to a life of victory, to an empowered life where you rise above the difficulties of this age. And there are many. There are many. But we're not called to be battered by it. We're called to be empowered. You know, in our present time, you only have to read the papers, you know, watch the news, listen to the radio. We're in a time where the sands are shifting, where we can be immobilized by fear, where it's as if our security seems to be floundering, where, if you like, our future is unclear, but in that moment, God's grace is there. You know those times where it's like sin is knocking at the door? Where it's as if temptation is lurking around every single corner, beckoning you, beckoning you away from a holy life. We've all been there. Let me tell you, friends, in that moment, God's grace is there. God's grace is there. In those times when the voices in your head tell you that you're not worthy, that you can't achieve, that this is your lot, that you cannot be victorious, and yet, and yet you know that is contrary to what the Lord is saying in your heart, that you're called to be empowered. In that moment, God's grace is there. God's grace is there. Passport to empowered living now. So here's the question as I start setting the scene for the next six weeks, how, how? How does his grace work in us? And that brings us to what is going to become the, the anchor text for us over the next few weeks. It's in the book of Titus. Now, it's a little book. It's slotted in between 2 Timothy and Philemon. Um, it's, you know, Paul wrote three books, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and, and Titus, which are kind of pastoral books designed to um, give instructions to the leaders. And in this case, Timothy, but in this specific case, Titus. Uh, hopefully that's given you enough time to find Titus in your Bibles, because uh, <laughs> I would need a little bit more if it was me. I'd be, where is that? It's only, look, it's only one page. It's only three chapters. But we're going to go to Titus chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 11 and 12. This is what Paul says. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Pause. That's that bit of grace, that amazing grace, how sweet the sound. You see, God's grace has appeared to us through Jesus who went on the cross, died for us so that we can have a relationship with him. We are saved. But let us go on and see what it says. You ready for this? Grace, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And instead, grace teaches us, and I'm adding that beginning to provide some clarity, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. There you go. That's the empowered bit, you see? Well, the first bit is the saved by grace. The second piece is empowered by grace, to live lives now. One is, if you like, the ticket, <laughs> and the other one is the passport, to use that terminology. So what I want to do is unpack, unpack this together. <clears throat> 
and look at the word teaches us because um, in only two words we can learn so much. Teaches us, right. It implies, teaches, that it is a journey. Think about this, teaches. In other words, we don't just arrive. It's a process. The journey of grace, that's why we're calling it a journey of grace. We are taught over time. And so I want to encourage you, you might not always feel like you're there, but this is a process. We are taught from, what does the Lord say, from one degree of glory to the next. This process, or let's use a technical term, sanctification, is a process. It is a journey. So it teaches us, implies that it's a journey, number one. But here's the important thing. It also implies that we need to listen or we need to be taught, right? It's all very well grace teaches us, but we're not around to be taught, then it's not going to be any good for us. And, you know, there's, two, there's many, many reasons why we don't get taught. And Dennis, uh, next week, is going to look at the obstacles of grace. And so I don't want to go in too deeply, but I do want to touch on two introductory points. The first one is that we don't even realize grace is there to teach us. We don't even realize grace is there to teach us. So we switch our ears off, and instead we look to ourselves in those situations when we need to be empowered, or we look to others, or we look to self-help books or the latest trend. Now hear what I'm saying. I'm not suggesting that those in themselves are wrong. What I'm suggesting is, is where you put your focus and where you incline your ear to in the first instance, right? And I've been there. When I feel battered and bruised, I'm like, well, how am I going to get through this? I've got to call so-and-so. Or, you know, I'm going to go and get that new self-help book. Or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What God is saying is God's grace is there in that moment to teach you. In that moment, God's grace is there for you to live an empowered life. But we need to recognize, first of all, that he is there to teach us. And for some of us, that might be a, a movement in our thinking, a bit of a paradigm shift. Let me tell you, God is there for you in that moment. Well, it's another reason why we don't listen. Here's a biggie, pride. Well, I know he's there, but I don't need him. Now, this is really subtle. I'm not suggesting that we tell you, I don't need God. I've seen it in my life like this. Wow, man, I was victorious over. That's pretty good. I think I figured this out. I'll be fine next time. Huh? And then what happens? You fall next time. Oh, man. You see, that's the lie of the enemy. It's pride. And boy, that was the thing at the Adam and Eve, wasn't it? You really, the, the root of pride is that we think we're God. That's really what pride is about. I don't need God. I am God. I can do this on my own. Thank you very much. That's what the enemy said to Eve, wasn't it? If you want to be like God, then eat the apple. And so oftentimes, you see, we recognize that God's there, but we just don't think we need him. We think we figured it out. Woe to us, though, because what did it say in James 4, 6? God opposes the proud, but what? Gives grace to the humble. You see, grace is extended towards us when we position ourselves in humility. When we say, I need you, Lord, I'm weak. What's other scriptures say? When we are weak, we are strong. You see, it, it seems so contrary, doesn't it? In our, in, our, in our modern age to think that weakness brings strength. But you see, when we are weak, we recognize that we are the created, you see. We recognize that he is the creator and that we need him. And so oftentimes pride is so insidious, it's so subtle, can be a blockage to us receiving his grace. Okay, let's move on. Second thing. How does God, God's grace teach us? I, like I said, this is a bit of an introductory kind of 
teaching, so I don't want to dive too deeply, but let me give us three things how God's grace teaches us when we position ourselves to be taught. Okay, first thing is, you see, when we, when we come in humility and we listen and incline our ears to Jesus, his grace enables us to be more aware of his spirit. It enables us to be more aware of his spirit. You see, what happens is we become more aware of his presence. And that enables us to listen more. And in that moment of his, of his presence, we recognize who we are and we put our agenda aside. And we say, what have you got for me, Lord, in this moment? Which leads us to the second point. We then experience Christ in us more, you see. His Holy Spirit makes Christ alive in us more, who leads us then into all truth. The truth of who he is, who we are, the situation we find ourselves is. Because truth brings freedom, right? Brings liberty and freedom. And when we're in that place of seeing that truth, God doesn't just leave us at that point. His grace enables us to have the power to act on that truth, to say yes or to say no. God, when he calls us to this holy living, doesn't just let us do it on our own. He, he provides us his grace in order that we can move in the power that he has for us. And so when we incline our ear, when we say yes to Jesus, would you teach me? We become more aware of his presence, more aware of his spirit, which, which we then experience Christ in us more. We see truth of who we are, the situation. And when we do that, when we see what the truth is, in that situation, I've got to say no to that extra beer or no to going to see those people or yes, I've got to serve even though I don't feel like it. Or yes, I should go and pray for that person even though I feel like you know, I haven't got the energy. Or yes, I should forgive so-and-so even though I feel like they've done me a rotter. You see what I'm saying here? You know, The truth of who he is guides us into what we say yes and no to, but also actually gives us the strength to go and do it. That is what the grace of God enables us to do. That's empowered living. That's empowered living. So let us cry out, friends. Teach me, O Lord. Incline my ear. Teach me, O Lord. Okay, so what does it teach us? So uh, we've looked at what teaches implies that we need to listen. We've looked at how the grace of God teaches us, how it brings us through that. Let us look at what it teaches us. Well, of course, it teaches us what to say no to and what to say yes to. The first is the opposite of holiness, and that is to ungodliness and worldly passions. And we can sum this up with three things. The flesh, the world, the enemy. Galatians 5.17, let's look at the flesh. Paul says, for the flesh, and when he talks about flesh, what he's talking about is our, our, our old self. You know, when we come to know Jesus, we say yes to him. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus, right? But we, we still have the old man, if you like, the old self that has these sinful desires. And Paul says the flesh, the old man, desires what is contrary to the spirit. In other words, what is contrary to that new life in us. And the spirit, which is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with each other. Have you ever found this? And we looked at this in the holiness thing, didn't we? How comes I do those things that I don't want to do and the things I do want to do, I don't do? We've all been there. I've certainly been there. That is the flesh in us. That is the flesh. And so what we're hearing from this teaching is we've got to say no to the flesh. And God's grace enables us to say no to those fleshly desires that come up. The second thing, the world. You know, when we talk about the world, um, the 1 John 2.16 gives us a great definition of the world. When we talk about the world, we don't mean, you know, the earth itself. We mean the kind of, the kind of evil around us. 
the fallen world, if you like, where sin came in. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the three things. 1 John 2.16. The world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Sex, money, power. Sex, money, power. You know those things? It's all around us. You only have to step out these doors, and it's there in front of you. Your senses are assaulted by these things, are they not? It's the reality of living in a fallen world, but we are called new creations in Christ Jesus. We are passing through this place. And so his grace enables us to say no to those temptations. Last one, the third one, the enemy. This is when lies are being fed into us. Well, you're not worthy to live an empowered life. You missed that boat itself long ago. That's a lie. Well, so-and-so over there, they're more holy than you, so they're okay, but you, nah, not for you. That's a lie. Or you shouldn't forgive that person. You shouldn't forgive that person. They've got no right to be forgiven. That's a lie. God calls us all to forgive each other just as he forgave us. All of these things, you see, we have to say no to. I say no to those lies. You know, friends, let's wake up. We are in a spiritual battle. Paul says, does he not? This battle is not about flesh and blood. It's principalities and powers. And we have to exercise our spiritual muscles, as my mum used to say. No, I rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus. God says this, that I'm a son or a daughter of Christ, of God. No, God says that I am empowered, that I've got a great future and a hope. And so let, let's not just lie down and take the lies of the enemy. Let us, by his grace, say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Because his power in us enables us to quote scripture. What does that scripture wonderful say? Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. These are the truths that we need to get inside ourselves, friends. We need to get into the word. We need to get some ammunition. This thing isn't just for Sunday. This should be getting worn out. Get into the word. See what God says about the situation. Three things, the flesh, the world, the enemy. Let's say no to those. By God's grace, he enables us to do so. And over the next few weeks, we're gonna dive into that in a little bit more detail and see how that is the case. But his grace also enables us to say yes, you see? Yes to self-controlled lives, to upright lives, to godly lives. In other words, a holy life, which is what we've looked at the past few weeks. And I don't have the time um, to dive too much into this, and indeed we will unpack this over the next few weeks. But what I want to focus on uh, is when it says, in this present age. You see, this call to holiness, in its essence, is a call to be set apart you see, God does not always remove the obstacles. The reality is that God says we will go through many trials and tribulations. Now, hear what I'm saying right on this. You discern it. There are some things that God gives you the, the faith to say, I remove the obstacle in Jesus' name and it's removed. And we should always be doing that and praying that. But there are times in our lives where we do go through trials and tribulations. They will be with us. And here's the thing when he said to Paul, Paul, I'm not going to remove that that thorn out the flesh, because my grace is sufficient for you. You will 
in spite of that, be empowered to walk through that. That obstacle has no, no power over you, Paul, because my grace is sufficient for you to say yes. And so this is the essence of God's grace, guys. This is the essence of God's grace, that in spite of this present age, in spite of the flesh, in spite of the world, in spite of the enemy, we can live lives that are holy, that are set apart for him, because his grace is there for us. You see that? I'll invite the band up. Grace is not just a ticket to heaven. Grace is a passport for empowered living. And I want to say to you afresh and anew, listen, if you've come here this morning and you don't feel empowered, let me tell you this, God's promise is that you will be. As you submit yourself to him, as you call upon his name, as you humble himself and say, teach me, O Lord, you will allow him to work in you by his grace. I'd like you all to stand. So I want us to wait on the Lord for a moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, I have a picture of um, some of us in a room, and uh, the room is cold and dank, and it has an old school desk. And next to us is a a schoolmaster wearing an old cape and gown, and he's been teaching us the wrong things. For many of us, we've been inclining our ear to the wrong teacher. And God is saying this morning, I've come to teach you. I've come to teach you. Get out of that room. Stop listening to the lies of the enemy. My grace has come to teach you. My grace has come to teach you because I am calling each one of you to an empowered life. A life which changes this world, which makes an impact, which heals the brokenhearted, saves the lost, makes disciples. That's the life that you've called and I haven't left you on your own, my grace is here to teach you. Will you listen? Will you humble yourself? I want to give us an opportunity to respond to this word. If you want to incline your ear to his grace, I'd encourage you, just let, hold your hands out as a symbolic act to receive. If you want to say yes to him, to his grace, I want to pray over us. And equally, if you want to say, Lord, I want these next few weeks to be life-changing. I want to hear from you in a way I've never heard before. I'm not satisfied with the life that I lead because I know you've got an even greater one for me. If that's you, I want you to put out your hands to receive as I pray for us. We said at the start of this service that we won't leave this building unchanged. God has already worked in your hearts. Lord, I thank you for this journey of grace. That your grace is poured out upon us in spite of us, in spite of our sin, in spite of who we are. Because, Lord, you are calling us to empowered lives. You're calling us to lives which bring glory to your name through the Son. You're calling us to lives that make an impact in the world around us.
Will we heal the brokenhearted? Will we save the lost? Will we feel invigorated? Will we feel a new passion, a new energy, a new focus that we've never felt before, a new peace that we've never experienced before, a new joy that wells up, a new song in our hearts that comes up from being empowered? Why? Because we experience you more as we incline our ear to your grace. And so, Lord, I pray for each one of us here that in this moment you release Release your presence, Lord. Release your spirit upon these people. Change our hearts. Change our lives. Would this journey of grace that we find ourselves on be one that is full of fruit, rewarding, full of joy, full of peace. And Lord, as we go throughout this week, would we say no to ungodliness and yes to you? Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Let us worship him. Thank you, Lord.